The Minnesota Twins split in Houston, and we'll go back to Target Field with a chance to close this thing out at home with two wins. Welcome to the Locked On Twins postcast. I am Sam Ekstrom, pinch hitting for Luke Inman tonight. He emptied the clip doing the Vikings postcast. It was uh, a bad Minnesota sports weekend until tonight. The Minnesota Twins salvage it with a 6-2 win against the Houston Astros, and I was telling Brandon Warren, stress-free? Playoff baseball, what is this? The Twins cruise uh, to victory, not really threatened in the late innings. So much to get into. Pablo Lopez's gem, Carlos Correa with a revenge game to remember, and plenty more to discuss on this postcast presented by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Make every moment more. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. Brandon, what do we discuss first? The Pablo Lopez seven inning, no, uh, not no hit, no run ball gem. Or do we talk about Carlos Correa's three hit, one walk, three RBI performance against his former team, punctuated by one of the great web gems you'll see to end the game? I'm going with Pablo just because we haven't talked about him yet this series because he hasn't pitched yet this series. So Correa, we get to talk about every single game he's had. One play or another, mostly defensively, that have really, you know, shown a difference between him and other players in the postseason. Today, though, I mean, you could go either way, honestly. I, I, I'm i going with Pablo, but if you went with Carlos, I wouldn't browbeat you over it because literally they both just had tremendous games today. Well, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about both. So let's talk about the pitcher. Let's talk about the winning pitcher, Pablo Lopez. He goes seven strong, over 100 pitches, no runs allowed, six hits. Only in trouble maybe in one inning. The fourth inning got a little bit dicey. Runners on the corners, I believe, and he struck a guy out. But um, went to the mound with a lead in the first inning. That's helpful. Had a three-run lead in the second inning. That's helpful. And that's a guy, Brandon, that you like having on the mound with a lead. Yeah, and he came out throwing darts. I mean, I'm looking at his velo numbers here, uh, an average of a mile per hour above his average on fastball, almost two miles per hour on his changeup, almost two miles per hour on his sweeper. So he came out amped and jacked up, and I think you're onto something there. Coming in with a lead like that and knowing that the second your feet hit that mound for the first time, you're in control, you are pitching with a lead, you can pitch the way you want to pitch. I think that's huge, but... Yeah, with Pablo and when he's at his best, I mean, there's there's not many better. And we've seen some guys, we saw Clayton Kershaw not get out of the first inning. So sometimes guys who are better just don't pitch better. But uh, honestly, you have to rave about Pablo to this point, two postseason appearances for the Twins so far. But yeah, the, the velo is what really, really stuck out to me or struck me. Um, mm-hmm. And five swings and misses on his changeup. Usually it's the sweeper. That's getting him the swings and misses. Changeup was just dazzling tonight. So his line now through two postseason starts, 12 and two-thirds innings, one run allowed in the sixth inning of the wild card game one. This is the guy you might have on the mound in game five of this series if there is a game five. Twins hope they can close this baby out at home. They win it six to two. Um, the, the I love listening to Pruszynski and Wainwright. Just talk about pitching because they both have different perspectives on pitching. Obviously, Prasinski, the catcher, Wainwright, the you know World Series winning pitcher. But just hearing them talk about pitch sequencing and, and 
highlighting how he's using every part of the plate. And he talked about this too in his in-game interview, um, really getting creative with these sequences and keeping these good Astros hitters off balance. Well, and didn't I see he was going to go to med school and and like test it into med school at 16 and his parents are doctors. So, I mean, it's, it's obvious that he's a very sharp guy who can execute pitches better than most, but, um, boy, he just, he put on a show and, you know, we've seen so many times this year where he'll get into a groove and then he'll have a couple starts that are a little shaky or whatever. And there was just, there was no evidence or any sort of indication that he was anything other than just completely locked in, in this one and, um, hats off to him. You know, this is exactly what the twins envisioned first when they traded for him second, when they gave him that big extension, and like you said, uh, coming back for game five could be uh, much rather come back for game one of the championship series. But I digress. I, I did wonder this, though. If you think that you are going to go back to him in game five, do you back off him a little bit in this game? Now, I know you play for today. You win today because who knows? Maybe you win both at home and there is no game five. But just something to think about if they should have throttled back tonight with the idea that they may need Pablo again for game five. What do you think of that? Yeah, I saw that thrown out there on Twitter. I'm trying to bring up his game logs really fast just to see how he's responded in games following a, a larger sure. workload. You know, he has touched 100 pitches this year. It's not like he's been completely coddled. Um, I I appreciate Rocco trusting his guns. Like, he's mm -hmm. given Gray and Lopez maybe an inning more or a hitter more than we've seen him handle pitchers before in the regular season. And I appreciate that. I don't think it should adversely affect Lopez, considering he is not on short rest, right? Because they get off day Monday, off day Thursday. So he's mm -hmm. on a normal cadence. I think if it was if it was a short rest situation, you handle that differently. Because sure. it wasn't, I think you let him go. Uh, I think that you roll with the hot hand. And, and I thought they would pull him after the first guy got on in the seventh. I think he mm -hmm. got an out. Then there was a bloop base hit. I thought they'd pull him then. Gave him two more hitters. And he got them both out. Went over 100 pitches in doing so. I, I'm saying no big deal. Would you agree oh. with that, Brandon? Yeah, I think I think that's, that's well stated. And then they also said, too, and I, I have it up here. Uh, he only went over 100 pitches once in his last 13 starts. So he has not been taxed to the max. Before that, he had 100 pitches or more in five straight starts, but it was 104, 100, 100, 100, and 106. So again, everybody would kind of joke about, ha, 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 Rocco pulls his pitchers too early. One, the statistics absolutely do not back that up this year. But two, if the result of that is Pablo Lopez hitting 97, in the seventh inning of a playoff game. I'll take it every single time. Also, too, don't sleep on the fact, I know they have a day off, but they didn't even need 30 pitches from the bullpen to finish the game off. They are 100% ready to go in that bullpen day off. Everybody's going to be just 100% fresh. It's such a luxury at this time of year. Um, I really am. I'm enthused about this team coming back to Minnesota, mm -hmm. but really impressed with how they handled Houston in Houston. Yeah. And, and honestly gave themselves a lot of chances in that game one, two, when you look at the way they put, put men on base, had opportunities and they cashed those opportunities in tonight more so than they did early in that game uh, on Saturday. Otherwise this could be a two Oh twins lead, but sticking with the pitching theme. And then we'll, we'll, we'll move to Correa 
in the middle, middle portion of this show, but Skull Jeff pointing out, love the way Duran pitched tonight as well. Yeah, Duran looks like he can handle this uh, environment. There were moments, Brandon, when Duran worried me in the second half of the season. No command of the breaking ball, putting guys on base, just seemed very gettable. Uh, it's like the 101 wasn't good enough if you didn't have anything else to, to complement it with. Three appearances now in the postseason, and he's been dialed. I mean, I think he let two guys on base, you know, one on uh, in game one in the Blue Jays series, mm -hmm. one in game two. But he's he's had his pitches working. And when he has that breaking ball to supplement the fastball, just a different guy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible what he's capable of when he's got everything going in the right direction. And we saw him scuffle a bit late. We saw Griffin Jacks have some ebbs and flows all season long. And he's been good, too. Again, it, when, when people get all upset, oh, he's got this ERA, he's got that ERA. And you know me better than anybody. Stats, mm -hmm. I'm a stats guy. But you got to trust your guys. And when those are your guys, Rocco's not saying, oh, man, you know, he's got a 3.80 ERA and this other guy's got a 3.6. So it's his guy. Like, you have your guys for roles and that sort of thing. You develop that trust. You build that trust. And you understand that every reliever, reliever is like one tweak away from 12 scoreless innings in a row. Uh, well, every good reliever, I should say. Uh, so kudos to Rocco for sticking with those guys down the stretch. And then kudos to those guys for, you know, putting in the work and showing now in October that, you know, they're ready to go. And like you said, uh, Duran, just um, especially after that finger thing, you know, where he had a couple misfires coming out of there and then just dialed right back in. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we saw times during the season, and I think that's why we were all so concerned was that sometimes things could unravel just a little bit on him. Again, you have such superhuman expectations for a pitcher like this that if he gives up a run every two weeks, you're like, oh, no, the sky is falling. Well, it's just because he's so good. Um, but to see him rein it back in that quickly when the trainer had come out and now you know you look at the body of work on the whole, uh, yeah, he's a ready-for-prime-time kind of player and uh, certainly nice to have one of those at the back end of your bullpen in October, no doubt about that. We're going to talk about the Carlos Correa game. I also want to ask you about two interesting decisions in this game from Rocco regarding the bunt. And we'll talk oh about the series shifting back to Minnesota. But first, a word from FanDuel, America's number one sports book for a reason. There's a lot of ways to wager right now, Brandon. You can wager on college football, the NFL, baseball playoffs, NBA preseason as well. Many, many options. If you're new to FanDuel, you want to get in the action. You can bet $5 if you're a new customer and get 200 deposited into your account guaranteed win or lose. That money is yours to wager. And you can wager it on if it's the NFL spreads, player props, futures. If it's the MLB uh, run lines, any of the, the prop bets regarding these postseason games, there's just dozens and dozens of ways every single game to get in the action and make every moment more at FanDuel or the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is super easy to use and extremely convenient. So check it out, FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League. All right, let's talk Correa. Three out of four tonight with a walk. Could have been a couple walks. He put together a good at bat in the ninth inning, too, and got frustrated when a pitch was called uh, a strike late. But caps, caps it off bottom of the ninth with, I mean, we were talking about it off air. Just one of the sickest defensive plays that you can imagine. And he's doing this 
definitely not 100%. You can tell by the way he runs. He's not at full speed. You know, he couldn't get from second to home on a two-out single by Julian. But he produces um, in the postseason now, four, is it fourth, Brandon, or third? All-time in RBIs. He passes Jeter and Big Poppy tonight with three RBIs, one in the first, and then two more in the fourth to give the Twins a 5 nothing lead. Clutch hitting for Correa. It's so yeah, much I more. I believe he's fourth, and the list ahead of him was an interesting one because it was like Bernie Williams, uh, David Justice was one of the guys, which the Braves played in the playoffs a lot when you and I were kids, so I guess that makes sense. But, um, yeah, just Mr. I know there's a Mr. October. Maybe there can be a Mr. October, too. I don't know, but uh, he's hitting over 500 in – the postseason, and you know, you and I are still going to probably talk about his defense when the dust settles on this postseason more than his offense. At least I think I will, because those plays have been so important in Twins wins. But it's hard not to be impressed with what he brings to the table, and it almost had to feel, you know, pretty dang good to kind of have that heel moment, like a professional wrestler who turns bad guy in front of the home fans, uh, his old home fans. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's just incredible what he's done to galvanize this team leadership-wise, on-field-wise. And, you know, you mentioned, to him not moving that fast. He doesn't move that fast to begin with. <laughs> so when he's giving up more <laughs> in addition, yeah, it's yeah. it's obvious that he's compromised. But, um, you know, players play, and sh- he, uh, he has brought his level of play to where we have all expected in October. And I think some of us may have been skeptical based on his regular season numbers, but the the milkman has delivered and then some. Yeah, Poltergoose says in the comments, honestly, I was annoyed with Correa in the regular season, but holy bleep. Yeah, this is a different <laughs> guy. I mean, he's put his mark on every Twins win, right? I mean, in the, in games one and two of the wildcard series, mostly on the defensive side of things. And we're not talking, you know, run-of-the-mill good defense, like starting a 6-4-3 double play. No, we're talking about tracking down that that roller behind Polanco and making the throw to home, the pickoff play, then the diving play tonight. These are top 0.1% of plays that you're going to see shortstops make. And he's doing that all well. You know, you talked about the heel. Um, yeah, he's got a bad heel and he's playing the heel. And he adds that offensive element tonight too with a couple swings that almost left the yard, a clutch two out, two run single gigantic at bats from Correa who seems to enjoy the spotlight being in front of that at times hostile crowd in Houston. And now you go back to target field where there's going to be so much juice, Brandon. And I've always said this. If you tell me you're guaranteed to win game one or game two, you get one choice. I'm taking game two because I want wind in my, my sails heading home. I think there is the psychology of it, giving you an advantage, giving your fans a little more edge, thinking that you have the momentum going into that game three. No, I don't want to waylay your point on target field, but can you imagine a better player for Royce Lewis to look up to than Carlos Correa? Like I I just, I think of Royce Lewis and how he already loves the moment batting next to Carlos Correa standing next to him when he's at third base. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Now, as far as target field is concerned, yeah, it's uh. It's going to be rocking. I think they're going to take it to another level altogether because, you know, there was first it was the playoff win, monkey to throw off your back. Then it was the playoff series. Now it's just time to get greedy. You know, a road nobody, playoff win. They got that. Yep. That's huge. List tonight. That's, 
I read uh, uh, Do Young Park from MLB said that that is the f- just the second time ever the Astros have lost at home in the AL Division Series. Now, to be fair, they were a National League team for a long time, but um, that that snapped a streak of 12 straight wins dating back to 2015 when I believe the Royals on their way to the World Series beat them. Wow. So they were 39 and 42 at home this year. So they were a little bit more uh, beatable at home. But we also saw in 2020, we thought that they were beatable uh, and they were coming to Target Field. It didn't matter. So uh, just good to see them take care of business. And now, yeah, it's time to get greedy at Target Field. It's time for the fans to make the team from the South where I don't know what first pitch temperature was. Uh, they had the they had the roof closed tonight anyway, uh, but it's definitely going to be a different atmosphere. It's in the 50s this week in Minnesota. It's time to take back the home field advantage and do so with gusto. And I have faith that the twins fans and those, what are they red Homer hankies? I mean, yeah. If you have a scarlet out red out, whatever you want to call it, that's going to be intimidating. I, I, I believe in the twins fans to bring it. Tuesday, 56 and sunny. Seems like some comfortable October baseball. It's going to be, it's going to be sunny. All right. It's gonna be sunny. Gray. Oh, there's a, we got some wordplay going on and getting punchy here on the Twins yeah. postcast. Couple other offensive angles. Uh, nice to see the Twins knock around a lefty, including yep. Kyle Farmer with a big swing, first first ever postseason hit in the Crawford boxes to give the Twins a three nothing lead. Farmer didn't finish this game. I don't think Brandon. They went to the yep. platoons uh, when they started facing right-handed pitching, and those moves generally seem to work as well. Julian came up with a big pinch hit. Um, but how about just the early offense from some of those right-handed hitters that have scuffled a bit against uh, lefties? Yeah, and th- that got better as the season went on. But the I think that vindicates vindicates easy for me to say uh, how they handled you know Farmer and Solano all season long with you know where they batted against lefties. And I think they even let Farmer take a plate appearance with uh, with the bases loaded against a righty. They, they didn't pull him the immediate second. I think it was because the game yeah. was early enough that they wanted to maintain the defensive alignment. Now they did end up sending Stevenson to left, bringing Castro in to play third. So they, they did move some things around and Julian didn't play defense, but yeah, it, it's always good to see the button pushing work when, especially someone like me who believes in the data part of it, like it's not going to work every time. Obviously that's not how baseball works, but to see, you know, farmer a uh, heck of a way to get into the hit column for the first time in your career, uh, Solano did as well. I heard the radio guys say that they both came in on offers. So against the lefty, Framber Valdez, solid pitcher, but uh, they just seemed to, it, was, it reminded me a little bit of like when Gaussman's splitter, when the twins didn't really respect it, they just kind of let it go. Yeah. I think the, the twins did a pretty good job with Valdez's curveball. Um, so when you're just kind of focusing on a sinker, it's a good pitch, but it's not good enough to last by itself. And I think that's how the twins kind of got to him Uh, again, very good pitcher and lefty. So you would have expected to be a a tough matchup for the twins. And I think they showed up and showed out maybe a little better than I had anticipated. uh, Generally speaking. I want to ask you about the two bunts that were called in this game as well. First, a word from Jace medical and uh, with Jace medical, you can give yourself peace of mind. You can empower yourself and your loved ones to have care at the ready because life is unexpected. With the Jace case, they provide five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, which gives you that peace of mind 
So you're not knocking on wood, hoping that you have uh, someone close by that can help you. You are in control. Jace Medical gives you the medication in hand, and it's very simple. They handle the online evaluation, licensed pharmacy medication delivery, and ongoing consultation, so you don't get caught unprepared, and you have the pros to help you um, compile your Jace case. So get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. Use my code LOCKEDON, jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com at checkout. All right, couple interesting bunt moments in this game. Let's talk about that, clean up a couple odds and ends, and then we'll call it a night. So, Brandon, the Jorge Polanco bunt. First and second, nobody out. And this was a funny moment in the broadcast booth on Fox because I think it was Prasinski who said, you know, Rocco Badelli doesn't want Polanco to bunt. He wants him to drive in two or three right here. And he lays it down and gets thrown out at first, advances the runners. Kind of sets up a sequence where then Lewis gets walked, loads the bases for Correa, who then delivers. Um, and then later the booth was was praising that move and saying, yeah, the bunt is really what what set the table for for the whole inning. So what's your read on that, Brandon? And we had someone in the comments, let me give them credit, Andrew, asking if he thought that was a Rocco move or a read by Jorge Polanco in the moment. But... Typically, you know, modern analytics tell you not to bunt. Twins did, and it paid paid off in this one. How what'd you think of that move? For me, I would lean Rocco in this instance just because in the postseason, I think the gap from a 3-0 game to a 5-0 game is just so massive. You go from a save situation to a non-save situation, you really change the difference of uh what arms you're gonna see out of this Astros bullpen. You're not gonna see the Abreus, the Presleys. It's more of the Stanics and the Matons and, and that sort of thing. So I think it may have been a called play that you and I both agree we would have never seen in the regular season. And I also, too, wonder if they maybe weren't daring them to walk Lewis intentionally to get to Correa. I, I don't know. I, again, I don't think that they would tempt fate like that, and I don't think the Astros would do that just to get to Correa. I think they know better than that. But I think it came down to the Twins deciding, yeah, you know, the difference between 3-0 and 5-0 is big enough that we'll take the chance here. Um, it's a fast surface. Do they ground into a double play? Possibly. Um, you know, they, the Astros have been pretty good at turning those between Pena, Altuve. Uh, really good infield, really good defensive infield. So I think they wanted to take that out of consideration also to Correa looming <laughs> with uh, what was like 30 of them this year in the, in the regular season. So I think it was, it was a situational thing, but if Polanco decided to do it, uh, I would actually not be opposed to it. It's not a play I would have necessarily put on just because I'm in, in general, you know, not a, uh, a bunt fan, but when I look at it and kind of assess it after the fact, I'm like, yeah, the, the gap between a three run lead and a five run lead in October is massive enough that I, I can endorse it without too much uh, trepidation. Yeah, so easy for the Astros to put a couple guys on and get one big swing with that, you know, that short left field foul pole. Well, they did um, late with Al Alvarez. I mean, it wasn't a couple it, guys on, but it was one. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a guy that is going to terrify me every time he steps to the plate in his series. He yep. is, and I'm sure Royce Lewis is doing that to the Astros. Like every lineup has a guy, and Alvarez is that guy. He, uh, what doubled the run production against Stewart all year in that yep. one swing. 
two well, runs on one swing to, to give think, the Astros their only spark. Like the present day big poppy David Ortiz type where you there's nowhere you can pitch him. He's a left-handed mm-hmm. monster at the plate. And the difference is that I think he handles lefties quite a bit better than Ortiz did. So yeah, he's going to be impossible for years to come. Luckily the twins will only have to see him a few times a year and then hopefully knock on wood in the postseason. Um, the other bunt play squeeze play with Lewis at third gets thrown out, had to move around, shift around a lot and actually looked pretty fleet in doing so. And then later he legged out, I think getting from first to third. Yep. So the hamstrings getting tested and, and looking good, but obviously the, the squeeze play that's, that's the twin saying we believe in Lewis to, to kind of go all out here, which they had not endorsed in the blue Jays series. So is this, is this a, you think good managing to say, all right, we, we think our guy is healthy. We're going to do this. Or are they putting him at risk? Well, well, even if they thought it was a good idea in the moment, I'm sure they were cringing that whole time he was in the rundown because mm-hmm. stop, start, stop, start. I can't think of anything worse for a soft tissue than, than that. I mean, that's where soft tissue injuries come from, but uh, I think it was also a safety squeeze too. Uh, so it was, once contact is made break home and for whatever reason he hesitated. And I think what happened was his baseball player instinct kicked into ball back to the pitcher. I freeze and you've already committed to home. So you got to go. So mm-hmm. I get what happened there and he stayed in the rundown long enough. And AJ Pruszynski mentioned this to get the runners to second and third. Yep. So at the end of the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. Uh, Pruszynski said it was a good play that way. It was a good play that started with a bad play, so it was the best of a bad situation. But I think what happened was, yeah, I think he just had a kick in, like, oh, the pitcher got the ball way faster than I expected. Well, when you're coming home on a safety squeeze, there's no there's no reverse. It's uh, all the way home and, and see what happens. So I think that's what happened is he had a, a brief moment of doubt, and that was enough to leave him a dead duck between third and home. And the Astros almost bungled the rundown. They left they home did. Un- they unattended. Did. Bregman Bregman only tagged him, it looked like, just before the plate. And uh, Lewis, as you can see, actually, he comes up and kind of does some, mm-hmm. like, little safe gesture. Um, not not enough that it actually looked like it was going to be something they'd review, but it was close. Yeah, they almost, and you always want, if you're going to botch a rundown, you want the guy to go back to the base he came from, not the next base. Mm-hmm. And they did the opposite of that. Twins win it six to two. Uh, fun game, Brandon. And again, you know, for those that join late, relatively stress-free October yeah, baseball. Yeah. That, that I mean, when you can really be on cruise control from the get-go, a three-run lead in the second, a six-run lead as late as the eighth, and then have your guy come in the ninth and shut it down one, two, three. That is about as breezy as it gets. And for the twins in October, that's a welcome sight. So it's Tuesday afternoon at Target Field, Wednesday, and I believe this is actually subject to change. I've heard through the grapevine that if the Rangers win in that Baltimore series and sweep it, that could move the Twins to primetime Wednesday. So keep a listen out for when that game's going to be. But Tuesday afternoon, 3 o'clock, I think that's dialed in at Target Field. So We all deserve a little nighttime, Max Kepler. I'll just say, if you guys know how to look up splits, on baseball reference, look up Max Kepler's nighttime numbers. It's dangerous. So maybe they can get him going in prime time. That'd be kind of cool. Do you have any any intel for us on the game three starter for Houston? 
Any, any scouting be, reports? Yes, I mean it's Christian Javier okay. uh, is is what it sounds like. Um, again, it's like he's cut from a similar mold as Fromber, just a really good pitcher that uh, you know he he's not like a standout, but at the same time, it's not like they're they're throwing you know the number five starter out there. See what happens. You're going to run into team's best guys. Um, be prepared for him to be very very good, very very prepared. Um, but I also think too, it does point to Verlander coming back at some point on the back end of the series. Uh, again, I think it was a foregone conclusion, the fifth game, but maybe even the fourth, if, uh, if the timing lines up because they went to Hunter Brown in the bullpen. And so he was a candidate to make a start possibly. Uh, so with that said, yeah, it's, it's going to get interesting, but Javier's good. It's it, you're, you're, you're not going to get anybody's uh, leftovers here. He's a, he's a stud. And the twins are going to have to bring the sticks. Luckily, he's right-handed, um, and not quite as good as the first two guys. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned in. Love the interaction in the comments yes. section. We're doing yes. this after every Twins postseason game, and not just the Twins, but every Vikings game, every Gophers game, and eventually every Timberwolves game. A lot going on here at Locked On Sports Minnesota. Please subscribe to the channel. You can find the audio of this show the Locked On Twins feed or the Locked On Sports Minnesota audio feeds wherever you get your podcasts. He's Brandon Warren. He's the baseball guru. I'm Sam Ekstrom teeing him up to sound smart. I'm at Sam Ekstrom on X. He's at Brandon underscore underscore Warren on X. Twins win 6-2. to two. They split in Houston. Can't wait to talk to you all on Tuesday. See ya.